Hi, and welcome to the G2 Podcast. So, um, I was going to start by telling you a uh, joke about a lift. It works on many levels. Hey. Uh, I'm just going to invite Emily up to read our, um, our scripture reading for today. Give her a cheer, please. Fab. Um, so this is um, Philippians 3, um, 4 to 11. Um, we couldn't carry this off on our own efforts, and we know it. Even though we can list what many might think are impressive credentials, you know my pedigree, a legitimate birth circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set in God's law book. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special, I'm tearing up and throwing out the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important in my life are gone compared to the high privilege of knowing Jesus Christ as my master firsthand. Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness. That comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting in Christ, God's righteousness. I gave all that in inferior stuff up so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, and be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. Thank you, Emily. So about six months ago, I got a text message that uh, chilled me to the bone. Let me read it for you. Hello, this is Michael Jackson. I'm not really dead. I need £600 in iTunes gift cards so I can come back and finish my new album. Hee-hee! <laughs> and in fairness, it was the hee-hee that convinced me this was legit. So what I do when I get these scam text messages is I like to play along. So I decided I was going to pretend to be an 84-year-old woman called Ethel who lives at home with her six cats and ungrateful logical Gareth. And, and Ethel and Michael Jackson had quite the long, drawn-out exchange. For three months, I was texting this guy trying to scam me, uh, stringing him along with the promises of money until he gave up. And it was a lot of fun because I knew all the time he was wasting on me, he wasn't trying to scam anyone else. Now, obviously, I don't think I'm an 84-year-old woman, but sometimes I have a brain fart. I would ring the bank. Uh, can I have your name, please? Ethel, I mean, Alan. There was a really awkward interaction at the doctor's, I'll tell you about later. But occasionally, I have these brain farts, and a little bit of Ethel slips out when I'm not thinking, because sometimes I can get so preoccupied with this identity that I'm pretending is real, I can lose track of who I actually am. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one that's ever kind of struggled with this. You might not have ever thought you were an 84-year-old woman, but I think sometimes this idea of 
who we truly are, what our identity is. It's a question that we've all faced. One of the first things people often ask us when they meet us for the first time is, so what do you do? The assumption seems to be that once people know we're a student or a social worker or a bin man, they're like, aha, I get that guy. They've got us figured out. People will very easily put us in a box because often our identity to others is just the stuff that people see on the outside. I think the problem is we can often think this way about ourselves as well because all of us can struggle with finding our true identity and where we get that sense of who we are from. And that's because our identities are often the place we get our sense of self-worth and security from. They're an anchor when life gets difficult. But sometimes we can base our identity in the wrong thing. The writer Craig Rochelle said that we often confuse the who with the do. We, believe, um, we confuse who we are with all the stuff that we do. We can believe we are just what we do, what we achieve, what we have, or what others think of us. And the, the problem is when we do that, we often lose sight of who we're truly made to be. Often we can look for our identity in the wrong places. Maybe some of us have tried to find our identity in our accomplishments. We base our worth on our grades, our work performance, or how well our kids are doing. And it's nice when people see that. We feel valued and validated. But what about when it isn't going so well? Maybe we think our identity lies in what people think about us, both good and bad. We can worry about how others see us, or maybe you've been around Christians a long time. We worry about behaving or presenting a certain way. And our mind can absolutely race. Do you like this? What are they saying about me? Did I do that right? And we can tie ourselves up in knots, seeking the approval of others when we're just trying to find our true identity. Or maybe we think our identity comes from what we have. You know, we've got the nice, ca- we've got the nice house, we married a hottie, we've, we've got a great car. And it's nice when people look at that and they think, yeah, they seem to have it all together. I want to be like them. We get that sense of validation and security in our stuff, but all too often that stuff can be all that we are. And the problem is living like that can be really hollow. It stops us living authentically. When we confuse the who with the do, we often lose sight of who we truly are and what we're made to be. And this is an issue that's always going to raise its head in our lives. Did you go to uni? Do you drive? What do you do as a job? Do you have kids? At any point in our life, the do can very easily become the who. What we do can end up defining who we think we are. And what happens is we can spend our lives building a list of credentials like a a CV for life. And we show people that list of achievements and stuff because deep down we might have lost sight of who we're truly made to be. And for many of us, that list of stuff and, and achievements, it can become our identity. It becomes what we turn to for security and purpose. We put our trust in ourselves and Over time, we believe that list of stuff is all we truly are. It's all we have to offer. But I want to ask you guys a question. Are we made for more? 
I want to suggest to you that each of you is far more than your achievements, your stuff, other people's opinions of you. Because only in God can you discover who you are truly made to be. Because it's always going to be about the who. It's never about the do. Now, in the Old Testament, Solomon is described as the wisest man who ever lived. And there's a book that's attributed to him called Ecclesiastes. And in there, we read, My heart took delight in all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and all I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Solomon was a guy with an impressive list of credentials. This is a guy that built a huge temple. He had 400 wives. He was rich. People loved him. And yet, when he looks back at all that he's achieved, all that he's gathered all through his life, he says it's meaningless. In his wisdom, Solomon knew there was far more to him than his stuff, his achievements, what other people thought of him. Solomon knew that when we find our identity in something or someone other than God, we become human doings and we stop being human beings. And we are made for so much more. Because the, the problem is when we base our identity on our, primarily on our achievements or our list of stuff, we can lose sight of who we're made to be. God loves us and he wants to bless us and he doesn't mind that we achieve things or we're proud or we, we, we take value in how other people see us. God doesn't mind us having that stuff, just so long as that stuff doesn't have us. When we base our identity on our list of stuff, on the, on the do rather than the who, we might not mean it to, but we're putting our trust in the wrong thing. We make it about us, what we can do what we've achieved, how well we perform, how long we can keep fighting, how good we are. But the truth is you can only find who you were made to be in Jesus. Because over time, all that other stuff that we can trust to find our identity in, it can let us down. We might find our identity in our job, but what happens if we get made redundant? We might find our identity in our relationship, but what happens if they cheat? We might find our identity in our ministry, but what happens if we mess up? You can only find your true identity in Jesus because only Jesus doesn't disappoint. Jesus, the Son of God, God made man, the source of all life, hope, truth, and love, he can never disappoint. Because our true identity is as children of God, and we can only discover that through Jesus. Maybe when you were talking on your tables earlier, you said, I'm a parent or a student or a care worker or a teacher. No, that's just what you do. It's not your true identity. Because each of you is made to be a child of God. You are loved, forgiven, more than a conqueror, fearfully and wonderfully made. Your identity is who God says you are in his word, not the total of the things you do or you have. And that's not to say what we do isn't important. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Each of us is made to, to glorify God. We're here to build his kingdom and God gives us gifts and skills to do that. What we do is important, but why we do it is so much more important. Let's not confuse the do with the who. 
because what we do doesn't define us. It's simply the byproduct of who we are made to be by God and in Christ. And it's that fundamental search for human identity, that search for who we're truly made to be, that Paul is talking about in today's text that was read out by Emily. In short, as we go through this text, what you're going to see is one key message. The only way to truly find yourself is to be found in Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles or your apps, if you would please, to Philippians 3, 4 to 11. And we're going to see how Paul navigates this conflict to find our true identity. Now, in this passage, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, which is in Greece. And he's writing to them to show them that no amount of external success can replace knowing who you are in Jesus. Paul wants to show the church and us that our achievements and stuff aren't going to make us happy. They might give us a bit of security for a little while, but we can only find true happiness and peace that will last when we know who we are in Jesus. But the people Paul is writing to had a problem. So it was a group of uh, Christians called the Judaizers. And these were these Jewish Christians who said, yeah, we like all this Jewish stuff uh, and all this Jesus stuff, but if you want to be a proper Christian, then you've got to, like Jesus, be circumcised, and follow all these rules as well. In other words, it's Jesus plus all this other stuff. The Judaizers found their identity in what they could do, how well they kept rules, how well others thought of them. And Paul shows us that all this stuff that we put our hope in, all this stuff we use to find our identity, the hard reality is none of it really matters. In fact, the idea of basing our identity in achievements and stuff and others' opinions upset Paul so much that Paul says, all right, you want to talk about this stuff? Let's go. Because Paul had more reason than most to put his confidence in who he was and what he'd done. In verses 5 to 6, Paul tells us that he was circumcised on the eighth day. In other words, his parents raised him right. He tells us he's a Hebrew of Hebrews from the tribe of Benjamin. That means he's really Jewish. And that would have been important to the people he wanted to impress. He had the right family history. He knew the law. He spent his life attacking people he thought were the enemies of God. To those people Paul is writing to, to those people he would have come across, Paul had a really impressive list of credentials. It would have been easy to put his trust in them to find his identity in his achievements and his stuff. Paul makes it about how religious he is, but we might make it about our job, our degree, our kids, our bank balance, our marriage. All of us can find our identity in something that we've achieved or something we have or something that seems really impressive. But the problem is when we base our identity in what we do and what we have. We might not mean it to, but it can change us. An identity based in Jesus is one that's always going to be looking outwards. It works in love and it looks to constantly bless a broken and hurting world. But an identity based on us, our achievements, the stuff we own, other people's opinions, it will only ever look inwards and it will only ever look at us. 
And what we can do if we're not careful is use this list of achievements and stuff and opinions that we accrue over our lives as a tool to judge others. Mark Driscoll puts it this way. When we base our identity in Jesus, we want to be more like him. But when we base our identity in our achievements and stuff, we want others to be more like us. We might not mean to, but we can end up loving ourselves and judging others rather than loving others and serving God. And when you look at people like Paul in the Bible, um, have the same kind of background, skill set, um, you find a group called the Pharisees. And you see these all the way through the New Testament. They're kind of like the, the biblical bad guys. And what you see is they judge people. They condemn. They tear people down for not measuring up to the standards to which they hold themselves. And perhaps, if we're honest, when we live life with our identity based on the wrong thing, maybe we do the same thing sometimes. That's the opposite of what Jesus taught and what he calls us to. So Paul is speaking to the church and saying, you don't need to put your faith in what you've done or what you have. And he does that because you won't find purpose or happiness or joy or life in that stuff. All you're ever going to find is disappointment. Paul shows us that following Jesus, it's not about all kinds of crazy rituals or keeping rules or fasting so long you drive yourself mad. It's nothing more than a relationship based on God's love for us shown through Jesus. So Paul, right now in this letter, he has their attention. He's kind of proved himself. And then he, he has this kind of mic drop moment. In verse 7, he says, Whatever were gains to me, I consider them loss for the sake of Christ. So Paul uses accounting language here to demonstrate a point. So Paul's got his big list of achievements to the world. They're all kind of positives. They're profit. They're all gain. That's his circumcision, his ancestry, his qualifications. They're all firmly in the win column. And yet he says, I want to move them over here to the loss column. They aren't positives anymore compared to the worth of knowing Jesus and finding your identity in him. None of it counts. In fact, it's worthless. Paul says, I've found something far better in Jesus. Who cares about my heritage or how holy I look? None of it matters compared to knowing who I am in Jesus. But it's not just his accomplishments is lost. At the time this was written, Paul was in prison in, in Rome, chained to a guard, probably tortured and whipped on a daily basis. Not only do his achievements mean nothing, but he's lost his security, his freedom, his friends, his family, his influence. And yet he considers even those things that we might take for granted on a daily basis to be lost for the sake of knowing Jesus, because knowing Jesus means so much more. In fact, in verse 8, Paul goes on to say, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And the word used here is skybulon, and that has a lot of different translations in the Greek. Rubbish, trash, dung, poo, waste, dog muck. I'm sure you get the picture. But the metaphor Paul's using is all this stuff is used to find, find his identity in. It's all rubbish compared to knowing Jesus because only in Jesus has Paul found his true identity. The religion, the holiness, everything he should have been able to find his identity in, it's a steaming pile of dung. 
And this isn't Paul having a nervous breakdown in prison. It should be simply our natural response to God's love. Jesus says in Luke 14.33, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Jesus calls us to be prepared to count as loss those things we find our identity and choose him instead because Jesus is better. And in verse 9, Paul gives us an example of this. He says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. That's a mouthful, isn't it? But it's simply Paul showing us how he counts it loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Paul was a man who could have found his identity on his understanding of the Jewish law, how clever he was, how well-educated he was. That's the righteousness that comes from the law. It's how good Paul is and how well Paul is seen based on his performance. But instead, Paul wants a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. He wants, to, he wants his identity to be based on his faith in Jesus, not on all the stuff he's done. He's saying all that legal stuff I'm good at. It's a steaming pile of dung because I want something more. I've seen how good Jesus is. I've encountered his goodness and mercy and love. And because of that, I want to find who I truly am in him. In verses 10 and 11, Paul lays all this out for us. And he says, the, our true identity is only found in what Jesus did for us on the cross. In the New Testament, Paul writes extensively how we are made for a perfect relationship with God. God makes us in his image. Our true identity is and always has been as children of God. But we mess that relationship up with our own sin because all of us can be selfish. All of us can be nasty or mean or greedy. So, so what happens? Because we mess up that perfect relationship with God, we lose that sense of who we're supposed to be in him. So we try and find our identity in other stuff, what we do, what we have, what others think of us. But it's all a steaming pile of dung, and it's not what a loving God wants for us. So God sent his son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect, sinless life. He loved, healed, spread joy and hope, and yet despite that, he was tortured, murdered, and mutilated on a cross. His death paid the price for that sin. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, destroying death, hell, and the grave. He made us a way back to God and to discover who we're truly made to be. Because Jesus is alive, in him we have a new identity. In Jesus, we can finally figure out who we truly are because only Jesus gives us a picture of what our life truly is and what it truly can be. Because of the resurrection, we are now adopted children of the Most High God. We are made to be so much more than our achievements and stuff tell us. You aren't what's been done to you, but you are what good has done for you. You aren't What's what you do, but you are what Jesus has done. What you do doesn't define who you are, but rather who you are in Christ determines what you do. Our true identity, who we are made to be, is only and can only ever be found on the other side of the cross of Christ. Because when we base our identity on our achievements, 
um, our stuff, what others think about us. We make it all about what we do. But the truth of the cross is, it's about what Jesus has already done for us. We are not the point. Jesus is. When we base our identity in our achievements or our stuff, we tell ourselves, do more, go further, try harder, and maybe, just maybe, you'll find love and hope and acceptance. But the cross shows us we are more loved than we can ever know. It doesn't matter what we've achieved. We aren't fighting for victory because Jesus has already won. And this Jesus thing, you know, it's not blindly following rules or living this kind of joyless life where you can't have fun. Basing our identity in Jesus is simply our natural response to God's overwhelming love, grace, and mercy. That's all it is. Only by giving your life to Jesus and continuing to do that every day can you discover who you were made to be. There's nothing more you need to do. So I guess the question is then, what do we do with all this? What do we do with this idea that we can only truly find our identity in Christ? The thing is, when we wake up to this idea of who we're made to be, then we need to be prepared to count it all as loss. When it comes to us choosing between Jesus and our stuff, we always pick Jesus because Jesus is better. When life gets hard, and it's going to get harder for all of us in the coming months, we face things in a way that brings us closer to the person God makes us to be and further away from the, the person that our achievements and stuff tells us we have to be. It means that if everything goes wrong, if we lose everything we put our hope and our trust in to find our identity, we still have joy. We still have hope. We still have peace because we know who the source of our love, joy, and hope has made us to be. And the thing with finding your identity in your achievements and stuff is it's exhausting. Let's just, many of us here today, let's just take a second to acknowledge that. Many of us were overcommitted, were stressed panicking, scared, burned out. Many of us, if we're honest, we're exhausted with keeping fighting. We're tired uh, of pretending there isn't more to life. But Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. God doesn't call you to constantly perform and exhaust yourself. He calls you to rest in him and discover who you're truly made to be. All we have to say is, Jesus, I choose you to be the highest priority in my life. And when we do that, we can find that rest, we can find that hope, and we can discover who God made us to be. Over the past few weeks at G2, we've heard Hannah and Luke talk about who this church is called to be, what our vision is going forward. A people who discover hope, who live for Jesus and tell people of the incredible things he's done. But we can only truly do that if we know who we are in God. So I guess the question is, what are we going to do about it? Maybe some of us, if we're honest, we've lost sight of who God made us to be. Maybe God seems distant or far off. So we turn to the familiar to find purpose and identity. Maybe you've been doing church or uni or our jobs so long, we've lost all sight of who we are. Maybe you're a parent or a parent. Um, you're married and we don't know where our responsibilities stop and our true identity starts. 
maybe we're in a time of uncertainty or we feel like we struggle to fit in. Let's be completely honest for a second here. The things that we think are important often get in the way of what's actually important. And ultimately, our pile of dung doesn't always fulfill us. We are made to be so much more than we tell ourselves. And we can turn to our achievements and our stuff and other people's opinions for security. We can keep fighting, keep trying harder, constantly do more. But finding your identity in Jesus means you can finally be who you are made to be. Maybe for some of us, the, the identity we carry, it's not always positive, is it? Maybe people have spoken terrible things over us. They've called us ugly or fat or stupid or useless. Maybe we're carrying trauma from previous abuse. Maybe we've internalized the things people have said to us and about us. So what we do is we build this list of accomplishments and stuff. And we show people that because maybe if they see this version of myself that I have to pretend to be, they won't see the terrible, broken person the world has told me that I am. And if that's us, we need to recognize the things that have been spoken over us and this false identity we've adopted, recognize them for what they are, a steaming pile of dung. And right now, if that's you in that place, we have a choice because the voice we decide to listen to doesn't just define our past. It's the one that's going to determine our future. And we can keep listening to what the world says about us. We can keep hiding in our achievements and stuff as a way to protect ourselves and keep chasing that. Or like Paul, we can recognize who are truly called to be in Jesus. Or maybe for some of you today, you've never really known who Jesus was, what he did or why it mattered. Maybe we're only coming here because our parents forced us to try church, Mitch dragged us along, your other half's nagged you. Some of us are maybe trying this church thing, but we're not quite sure. Or if we're honest, we feel like we're far from God at the moment and life doesn't make sense. I don't pretend to know where each of you are, but I do know that we need to know who we are truly made to be if we're going to successfully navigate a dark, broken, and scary world. And right now, each of us has a choice, no matter where you are at. We can keep believing that we're only the sum of our accomplishments, our stuff, what people say about us, or we can pick another door. And his name is Jesus, because unlike our achievements, God doesn't give us a label. He gives us a new identity. We are forgiven, made new, loved, restored, rescued. Some of you are thinking, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's going on in my life. And that's true. I don't. But I do know you're not too lost for God to find. You're not too broken for God to mend. You're not too hurt for God to make you better. You're not too far for God to reach. You're not too sinful for God to forgive. You're not too dirty to be made clean. You're not too hurt for God to heal. God wants you to come home, to put your trust in him and discover who he has called you to be. Wherever you're at, say yes to Jesus today. Whether that's the first time or the hundredth time, Jesus doesn't want your performance he just wants you. Put your trust in him and discover who you were made to be. The writer Shane Pruitt once said that God, uh, Jesus, is the world's greatest identity changer because in him, we're going to go from lost 
to found, from orphaned to a child of God, from empty to filled with the Spirit, from wrecked to redeemed, from captive to free, from broken to made new, from sinner to saint. In Jesus and Jesus alone, we can go from death to life. I know a ton of people who've found new life in Jesus. Some of them had did it for the first time. Some of them were pretty far from God. Some of them were kind of having a go and maybe felt like God was far away. But I've never met a single person who regretted finding their true identity in Jesus. Because it's only in Jesus that you can discover what you're meant to be, what you're truly made for, what purpose and plan is meant for you. Because it's only in Jesus that we can find our true identity. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that we can find in you who you made us to be. Father, we decide to choose Jesus because Jesus is better. And in that choice, Father, I pray that you'd meet us. I pray that you would show us who you've made us to be, whether that's the first time or the hundredth time. And maybe you're here today and you're not quite sure where you're at with God. Maybe you don't know who God's made you to be. Maybe you've never tried this Jesus thing. Or maybe you want to say, God, I'm putting you first again. If that's you, just pray with me today. Father God, thank you for saving me. I'm sorry for what I've done wrong and the ways I've messed up. Help me find who I am in you. I choose you over everything. Father God, come into my life. Wash me clean. As the band plays, let's just stay in that place. Let's just lean in and listen to God. See who he is calling us to be. Let's look at what we've said. We are the things that we think define us. And let's recognize it for what it truly is. Let's give that over to God.